Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Oh, wait, nope, I may not. Oh, there we go. It says it's recording. Oh. Continue. Yeah, okay. Oh, mine, says it, mine just said recording in progress, some robot voice. Yeah, mine did too. But I think yours, it's recording on your side though, right? Okay, so we might have two recordings. That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't turn mine on. So I think you're doing it. All right. I hope, hopefully. So it just it'll, says it'll, it's recording. Okay, it'll get emailed to me late, later today. Okay, okay maybe, perfect. Maybe, maybe while I'm in St. George or wherever I'll be. Okay, where are you going? What's going on? Oh, I'm... Do you remember I'm going down to Arizona? Yes. Oh, I thought, okay, I did, is that right now? Yeah, that's, that's, that's right now. Oh, man. Is I anybody mean, with that, you? Um, not that I can tell. <laughs> but, I mean, you're going by yourself? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> Why are you saying you know, it like that? Well, I no, I mean, I don't see anybody else in the car, so I know, I know, but I meant like nobody's like nobody from the family's going with you, huh? Not, not at this point, no. Oh, you know okay. what? Right. So, so I, I got a late start, and I'm at the Twin Falls, um, but uh, flying Y, uh, not the flying Y, the, the gas station. Okay, flying J. That's what I mean. I like a, yeah, flying J. Thank you. I knew it was a letter. <laughs> but I'm realizing it's not easy to get back onto the onto Highway 93 to get to the. I keep getting these. Do not turn left. And I've Ooh. I've now gone in. I've now gone in a complete circle. Interesting. There's bound to be a way. There's got to be a way. Uh, 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 uh. Nope. Right. nope, 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 nope. Is that what's that? What's that trailer? Is that yours? No, it's, it's in my. It is by my house, but it's not ours. It's uh, somebody in the congregation. They bought it. They lived in that for three years, but not right there. Somewhere else. Wow. And uh, bought a new house, so they. Uh, they're not quite, they don't have the space to store it yet until they clear out a bunch of stuff. So once they get it cleared out, then they'll come pick it up. And, but I told them they could kind of keep it here. So, so they don't have to pay storage fees and all that. That's, cause that, that, that actually looked like one of the ones on my uh, list. Oh, well maybe if they ever sell it all. Are, I'm are you like dog. running the water? Yeah. You're I'm watering, watering the dog. dog. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what is that slushy, wishy, squishy sound? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, since we are today going to talk a little bit about barbecue, I'm going to, I'm going to, while we're recording, I'm going to get something going. Because I'm going to smoke All it right. for, to have it for dinner tonight. That sounds good. That sounds good. But so, in the process, I may need to go buy an aluminum drip pan. Oh, yeah. yeah you always need some of those handy. Yeah, I forgot. I didn't have any. I, yeah, I buy, a, I buy a stack of those, you know, a few oh, times yeah. in the summer. Heck so yeah, buddy. Do you have a smoker? So, what do you got? No, no, I just got, I got a grill, just a regular old grill, but I use the, uh, the smoke um, tray. Yeah. So I let the grill ignite the uh, the damp pellets, and I get some. Good, I get a good smoke in there. There you go. On Sunday night, oh man, I made. Um, oh, I forgot what cut it was. It was a it was a super cheap cut of beef. You know, usually super chewy and rough. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, but it was the wagyu cut. Oh. So not, so soup, that's a relative term, super cheap then. Well, it was, it was on sale at yeah. uh, Albertsons for $5.99 a pound. Uh, yeah, for that's not bad and, for that. Yeah, and Wagyu really is good. usually like $20 a pound or something like oh, yeah. that. The cut. Or more, a lot more. Oh, yeah. But there's a, there's a, there's a ranch not too far from uh, Boise area that yeah, snake river farms I, yep they've been doing wagyu wagyu beef for a while now and it, i think mm-hmm. they finally got the market for it yep oh yeah so, uh, so what are you gonna do with it or what did well you do what i that? did i went, so on sunday i went ahead and got that smoker going yeah and then rotisserie rotisserie it yeah Oof. now rotisserie when you say rotisserie that's a noun you know you do rotisserie beef or maybe it's an adjective about how you do the beef <laughs> right what is what is the verb form of rotisserie? It's got to be rotisserie. Rotisserize? <laughs> rotisserated. Rotisserated. You got to get rotisserated. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I rotisserated the, uh, the, the, that hunk of meat for about four hours. Ooh. Got it just to 140 degrees and then let it set, you know, for about 10 minutes while I you know, finished up supper. Oh, and that was the most wonderful hunk of beef I think I, I it was. Ever, ever had. Wait, what temperature did you take it up to? I, I just took it up to, I took the meat up to 140. There you go. I, I, I would, I would probably pull it off at 130 myself, but there you go. Carla likes her meat burned. <laughs> but also it was such a, it was such a irregularly shaped hunk of meat yeah uh it was kind of a square you know, almost cube-like shape so i knew that the, the tips and the ends would be pretty well done but the center center was only 140 Ooh, perfect and i mean maybe a so little done but but it was oh it was so perfect oh my goodness <sighs> and awesome. what was nice what was nice about the slow roasting is that wagyu beef with all the marbled fat so oh, much yeah. of that fat had just dissolved, oh. just leaving all these loose fibers. And now, now, do you 
Do you know what that red stuff is called when you slice into a really good hunk of meat? <sighs> I've heard it before. I know it's not blood. Yeah, it's not blood. It's a, it's a, actually a tint that's in the proteins that are part of the muscle. Right. They get released. Right. And I mean, it, but that, whatever that protein was, and it was all over the board. It was oh, so juicy. That's perfect. And it was so good. Now, the mm. other thing that I like to do when I do those roasts on the rotisserie uh, for slow roast, and I think it might work for a smoker, but probably not as much because you don't get the rotisserizing. You don't get that constant right. movement. But um, what I'll do is I'll take a paring knife and I'll jam it in about three or four inches into the meat. Yeah. And I'll put a whole a whole clove of garlic down that hole. <laughs> so and then, then then when you put the prongs of the rotisserie squishing it together, those yeah. prongs basically close off those holes so the garlic doesn't fall out. Oof. And so I I put in probably a dozen cloves of garlic into that meat. Oh man. And so it had a pepper crusty exterior with the smokiness. Yeah. And it had this um, roasted garlic kind of saturation on the inside. Oh, making my mouth water here. It, it was so good. I loved it. And it's like, now that I'm doing keto and all I eat is protein and fat, it's like, well, I, that, that could have been my whole supper. <laughs> and I would not have been upset. That would have been a-okay. <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, good. welcome to the Always Holy Blue Collar Podcast. <laughs> welcome. I hope your taste buds are excited. That's Craig. Yeah, Craig talking about... Ooh. And I'm Cody, of course. That's my... Hey, there's my nickname. Cody, of course. Craig, are you there? Cody, of course. Okay. <laughs> I am. Can you hear me? I hear you now. So, all right. So I am. I am on the road. I am on uh, Interstate 84, heading east. On the road again. So I decided not to drive to Arizona through Nevada. Um, I'm, I'm sure Nevada is a nice place, but the last time I went through there, it just struck me as way too barren. Yeah. So I am going to go see the big sites of Salt Lake City, Ooh. Provo, and St. George. Take a little jump over to Las Vegas, back over to Flagstaff, spend the night in Flagstaff, and then be in Tempe, Arizona sometime tomorrow morning. Oh, I love it. Or tomorrow midday or tomorrow afternoon. Uh, we'll see. We'll <laughs> you don't know what they're doing. Well, while I'm in Flagstaff, um, I'm going to just kind of go do a cold call visit uh, to the NAU athletic department and see if I can catch up with the recruiting coach for track and field. Oh, do you, is that a friend of yours? Nope. <laughs> are you, are you going to get hired? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I just want to, I you know, have the opportunity to figure out as well, try to build some contacts for my kids. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, you know, get, get, get some of them connected. I, I don't have, uh, well, I maybe have a couple who are, who would be excellent for NAU. Yes. Uh, who would be you know, at, at that level. The thing about Northern Arizona University is, you know, when people think of Arizona, they think of desert, saguaro cactuses, and a lot of sand. That's what I think there. of, yeah. 
uh, Flagstaff, Arizona is a 7,000 foot alpine uh, town. Ooh. It's actually it's actually an alpine desert. Yeah. So due to rainfall, it's considered a, de a desert because they only get like maybe 12 inches of precipitation every year. Oh man. But uh, three quarters of that is in the in the form of snow, or even more perhaps. And it's a it's a it's a cinder gravel kind of foundation from the volcanoes there, and all that just goes down into the into the ground. There's not like a lot of rivers or you know, much waterway there. Oh man! So so it's really a desert, but it but it's seven thousand foot elevation. And so when you when you're working out for track and field, yes. And if you're like an endurance sprinter, like the four hundred runners. Oh yeah, you go up there, and you work out. Any place you go compete is just oxygen overload. Whew. And you're ready to go. And that and that's part of the reason that the the NAU cross country team, as I think out of the last five years, they won the NCAA collegiate title uh, three times out of the last five years. Oh wow! I mean, they just have these cross country runners who spend. You know, unfair advantage yeah 12 months out of the year in a high altitude training zone kind of like you know people go to go to colorado springs for the olympic training center there one of the reasons it's there is for the high altitude training oh wow uh, flagstaff's already there they've already got it that's interesting so anyway yeah yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna try and uh, drop by and see if i can make a friend at uh, at nau and just stay in touch over the years that's awesome. But look but, at so, you thinking of your students, your track athletes. Yeah, well, they're, you know, they're, yeah, they're family. Oh, yeah. You, know, you hang out with an athlete, you know, 10 months out of the year. They're kinda, Asher, come here. Come on, buddy. Kind of family. Asher, come here, buddy. Come on. Asher, come on. Asher, come on. <laughs> come here, buddy. Look. Come here. Come on. Come on, Asher, come here. Go get it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so uh, guest hosting with us uh, today was Asher. That's right. He's loving it. Bring, bringing a unique perspective of, uh, of a pet in springtime. A boisterous, loudmouth. So he fits in pretty well. So, so anyway, back to your earlier question. I think. Yeah. Well, what was my question? <laughs> why, I think it was why am I going to Arizona? Oh yes. So for the next uh, ten days or so, I'm going to be cleaning out my dad's house. Your uh, dad's what? Flowers? House. Oh. <laughs> house. I was like. Wow, oh, you're taking yeah. care of that garden you left, huh? Well, I'll, I'll probably do that too. There's, yeah. but so so after he died, I mean, because my mom died probably about 12 years ago, I think it is. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to mom. Today was her, it would, would be her birthday or is her birthday. Oh wow. But um, so after my after my dad died, it was you know time to kind of clean out the house. And my dad did not uh, remove most everything of my mom's oh wow and uh, i mean i can understand that oh yeah 
I would get it. I'd probably be me yeah. too. <laughs> and so, um, you know, some stuff is you know worth keeping. Some stuff is worth giving away, and stuff some stuff is uh, not worth keeping or giving away. Right. So we got to go through everything. Got to go through it I've all. Got, I've got got to find. Uh, I want to find an archivist who can take all the photo albums, videotapes, and old uh, Super 8 film and put it in the digital form. Oof. So that's a that's on the to-do list. Man. Uh, there's a lot of other stuff to do. So I'll, I'll be doing that for 10 days, and i got to come back up and coach for four days. Oof. And then go back down to Arizona and do some more work around the house. Have a small... Man, you're making lots of noise. We'll have a small memorial service. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, head back up. So I'm going to be down in Arizona for nearly a month. Oh, you might. Uh, what if you fall in love with it and stay there? Uh, it's June. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you, it's hard to leave right now because this is the most beautiful time of year in the Treasure Valley. Yeah, it's perfect. The, the forecast this week, it's not supposed to get up to 70 degrees. It's going to be partially cloudy skies and a little bit of rain every day. Yes. You know, everything is green. The flowers are blooming. There's still snow on the mountains. In fact, there's some fresh, fresh snow on the mountains. Are you kidding? It's gorgeous right now. That's awesome. No, it's it, it's it's gorgeous. Uh, all the hills. It. So drive, driving through Twin Falls is like one of the least fascinating parts of Idaho. But everything's <laughs> green. It's I love it's, that you, part. It's, yeah. It's usually beige. And uh, <laughs> that's true. Southern and, uh, that part of Idaho. And, yep. And by the time I get to Arizona, it'll be probably 110 degrees. And, that's, and you don't like that. Well, you know, it's okay to visit. <laughs> Some people love it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I do. You're not one of those people. No, mm -hmm. but I, I do think, you know, after the... You know, one of the sad things that happens as you get older yeah is you begin to realize families only come together around uh, funerals yeah right you know, and and weddings and that's sad so it's more time together gosh. folks what what are you what are you are you are you breaking up ice cubes Yep, so I'm testing <laughs> I'm testing my uh, new uh, meat probes because, you know, I'm going to use them while I'm smoking. Okay. And uh, I want to run a test to make sure, how, see how accurate they are. All right. So tell you what, tell me what you're up to. <laughs> so I'm doing the ice water test. So I am prepping for... A, uh, I'm going to smoke, I'm using my new grill smoker today for the first time. I've, I've seasoned it. I've got it ready to go. And now I just want to 
put some meat on it and smoke it and have a nice tip roast for dinner tonight. So then, so, so. Yeah, dude, help. So yours, yours is a programmable uh, uh, barbecue, right? Yeah, it's a charcoal, it is a charcoal smoker, but it uses gravity to continuously feed it and uses a digital display to, and, or, uh, you know, uses digital um, probes and things to control a fan. That fan regulates the temperature. So it keeps it at a, a steady dill. Well, that gravity fed, you know, so the charcoal's all stacked up on a side box and uh, it slowly feeds itself as the fire burns. So that and the, and the, the fire fan, is controlled by the by the fan. Yep. Right. So the fan ends up making the the coals burn hotter, or yep. or it or, or it, it, it or just its normal speed if it's off. You know. So okay. Yep. All right. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, that, so then how long does that roast? How, how many pounds is it? And how long does it need to smoke? About three pounds. And, you know, I'm, you let it go till it's done. So I don't know. Eight <laughs> hours? I don't know. Okay. So, you get, so, so you've got, you'll have the probes in it to like be yes. when it hits. Oh, yeah. What are you going to uh, do? 125? I'm going to pull it a little earlier because then I'm going to uh, sear it. Okay. Yeah. So, yep. So now have you, have gonna, you grinded it or have you been soaking it in anything? I've just, I've put some, I've not brined it, no, but I've, I've put some salt and pepper on it and I'm going to rub it and uh, we'll see what happens. All right. All right. We'll so see, that we'll see how bad I am or good I am. One of the things I would love to do someday is go buy one of those enormous briskets. Yes. You know, they're like, they're like 60, 70 bucks. Yes. And the thing is, it's such a thick hunk of meat oh. that you, you end up getting so many different kind of like flavor zones. Yep. I mean, you can have, you can have really dark burned tips. Yep. The burnt ends. You can have really juicy, you know, uh, rare center cut. Yep. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I would, oh. I, that, that I would like to do someday. That's me saying here. Someday that's going to happen. Uh, in fact, I have a brisket in my freezer right now. But I just want to so, get uh, knowledgeable on what I'm doing here first. Yeah, I would, I would play around a lot of other stuff before you throw yes. that in there. I was, oh, I was yeah. watching the video. Uh, do you watch Joshua Weissman videos? Uh, does he have a what, does he have a nickname he goes by? I might only know his nickname. Uh, like a YouTube channel name or? Yeah, I think that I think he just goes by Joshua Weissman. Okay, then probably maybe I probably have seen it, but I don't remember. Uh, yeah, so he uh, has a YouTube channel on on cooking, yeah. and then uh, he always putting a bunch of content out on Facebook. But he did. I'm gonna go he, look did for he, he did a great pastrami the other other day. Oh. Where it was. Um, oh. and it was, and the, the brine was, you know, dip, of course, a salt-based brine, but I think it had juniper berries in it, which Ooh. gave it that unique pastrami flavor actually. And, Ooh. and, uh, I think he soaked it for four days. Then you pull it out. Oh my gosh. Wrap it in, in paper, 
throw it in your refrigerator for four days. Oh, and man. then then you put it on the barbecue. Man, that's and, and then he did he did what you were talking about after after doing that, then he seared it at the end of the process. Yeah, exactly. Reverse sear, we call that. And oh my goodness. It it oh. well he he has a really excellent uh, video producer who makes the things he cooks, even though it's just a video, you it makes your mouth water and you're pretty sure you can smell it. You know, like, oh, I love it. And the flavor is just beyond your grasp. It's really <laughs> it's, I could it's there on my tongue. I could see it. I know it's isn't like, that funny I just, how I just, I just want to bite the screen. I know I can know it's right there. <laughs> Our senses, how connected they are though. Isn't that interesting? Because you can yeah. you can. You, it's like sense memory that connects everything together. And then oh, you yeah. so your sight and your uh, and uh just in this case, just your sight, but it gets your your See, sense a, of taste going. It's amazing and smell. Here's an opportunity to get a little bit uh, theologically reflective. Ooh. And, and so, oh, and, and this is also a great uh, homiletical uh, tool. So what I remember preaching on the Psalms this one time and describing how praise is not like, yeah, way to go, God. You know, it's not, that's not what praise is. Exactly. Praise is when you recount the good deeds of God. It's like, it's more like telling a story. You know, yep. Psalm, Psalm 136 is one of those where it goes through like the whole his, salvation history of, of God redeeming people from Egypt, you know, and, yep. and it's one deed. Then it's like, you know, the steadfast love of God, you know, lasts forever. Then it goes to the next thing that God does and the steadfast love of God. And it's, it's, what praise is, it's recounting the deeds of God that are, are noteworthy, you know, are, are things you're grateful for. And so my, my sermon illustration was, um, you know, when we praise God, we don't just say, yay, God. What we try to say is, do you remember that time you, you, you had that, that piece of Wagyu beef and you, mm. you rubbed the salt and the pepper into the outside and you let it set for just a little while so that salt could get in. And, and then when it, when it, when it gets on the rotisserie, that salt actually crusts because it's released some of the caramelizing sugars in that roast. And you, you let that thing turn for hours as you smell the wood smoke coming up from the grill. And you begin to have that feeling of the campfire, thinking of, you know, yes. wonderful morning with bacon and coffee. And, and you begin to remember the, the times where you have yes. had. And, and then, then you bring it in and you let it rest and you feel this time moment of, of impatience and you, you want to dive inside, but you know, you just got to let it sit and rest. And Ooh. then when you do make the slice after that right amount of time and the juices come out and you release the aroma and all you can do is got to grab that first piece. Yes. And so when I, when I would preach like that, I'd watch people out in the congregation, just like, shut up, <laughs> shut up. I can taste it. Yep. <laughs> there's, there's drool dripping down their face. You know, it's all, it's like, oh, love man. it. It's so, so good. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, um, I know that, uh, I mean, think about all the rituals that uh, 
involve all the senses and and how those enact memory and they always connect stories to them right so in the passover yeah, yeah. the taste of bitterness you know you actually get to taste the yeah. bitterness and the tears and the salt and the tears and all those things man it's incredible it's good stuff yeah it's like it's, they knew really, what they were doing we really skipped that and yes i you know um stan stanley Grins was definitely one of my favorite theologians and his book on post-foundational theology is still probably the one of is one of the most formative books i ever read and he makes the point that both you know uh, liberals and fundamentalists make the same error by limiting everything right. to just the facts just uh, the facts yeah, exactly and and having kind of this enlightenment mindset that we take to the story and yep. he talks about the Bible being the normalizing norm. You know, we go back to the narrative. We allow the narrative to speak to us in all of its richness. And that's where you know, the faith is born. It's not in, in the foundational ideas of the Enlightenment. And, and when you get to the way the story is told, and you get beyond the yeah. Enlightenment details, then, then some of the, the shallow... Uh, criticisms of belief or faith or the church or American evangelicalism, they just fall away. Exactly. Because there's something so much richer down beneath. Exactly. Sensory experience. Yeah. I love it. A full integrated, uh, fully, fully embodied theology. There we go. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that really fits with, I, I would say, uh, open relational perspective. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, In fact, yesterday, so I was on a conversation uh, with Tom, Tom Ward, because he's my advisor for my doctoral courses. So we were finishing a course yesterday, and in it, we were talking about, uh, you know, what I, what I just read for my courses. And we actually had a moment where we were talking about, you know, this idea of like, what if, uh, you know, if open and relational theology and process theology, they both have a, uh, they're, they're basically, they're kind of related, but they're not exactly the same, but they're close. And uh, they both allow for this idea of, you know, what the Bible talks about of this, you know, when loved ones pass away, you're on your way to go uh, be in your, your father's home. But when loved ones pass away, what if there is this, uh, you know, the, the process theology has this idea of your loved ones, your ancestors still so present because they're still so much a part of essentially the body of God that they're fully still accessible to you, you know, the way that God is, you know, uh, accessible to you. So. And, and, and is that part of the Roman Catholic tradition of praying? Yes. Not much to the saints, but asking the saints to be in prayer with us. Exactly. Us. Yep. The great cloud of witnesses. Exactly. I remember Bonhoeffer exactly. writing that from his kind of Lutheran reform perspective. Yep. And and valuing it uh, like, well, you know, I could ask you, Cody, to pray for me. Exactly. Right. But why can't I ask, you know, my dad, who's now dead, why can't I ask him to pray for me? Yep. Or my grandfather or, you know whoever whoever so exactly 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 
Yeah, I do like that. Now, it makes me wonder, just because of the, the uh, there, there is a, there's a mystical element, but by mystical, I don't mean, um, oh, I don't know, ghosts. Well, maybe I do. Right. Yeah, is there, sure. Is, is there a topological perspective on past presence of a deceased individual remaining around like a ghost? Yes. So, what would that, what would that be like? Yeah. Oh, hey, by the way, go ahead and give a play by play so that on the recording you can know what's going on. I am loading my charcoal into my chute. And what I'm doing <clears throat> as I'm Putting the charcoal in, I'm going in layers. So I did a layer of charcoal. Then I now, did a layer of chips, wood chips. Now you are you are licking each charcoal, right? <laughs> yeah. Why would I do that? But to make sure it has the right flavor profile. Oh my gosh. No? <laughs> Who does that? Right. Oh, I, I just thought that's what people did. Do you do okay. it? You do it, don't no, you? No, You've been I, licking I, your charcoal, haven't you? I, I, don't, I don't use charcoal. So, oh, that's right. so my uh, my buddy there, Asher, my sous my sous chef. Uh, he, if a piece of charcoal while I'm putting it into the hopper should happen to bounce away, he tries to he tries to eat it. What's interesting is he 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 bites it. He realizes, well, that's not good. But then. <laughs> he still tries again a few minutes later, like, well, okay. Maybe what if I... <laughs> yeah. He's funny. He's a funny guy. So there, so now I'm what you're hearing is that's a layer of wood chips that I'm adding into the hopper. And I'm using for this particular smoke, I'm using pecan. Pecan. Oh. Pecan wood. But actually, so the briquettes though. <clears throat> are oak. They are oak briquettes. So it's a mix of oak and pecan. I don't know. We'll see how that comes out. I think so I'm you sure have, it'll be good. You have a list of flavor profiles different types of wood. Right. So um, I have some apple. I have some cherry. I think I even have peach. All those are like really good for both chicken and fish. Pretty good. And some pork, apple. Apple works great with pork. <clears throat> but pecan and mesquite and hickory, that's your beefs, right? Am I right or am I wrong? Well, I would go with the, the hickory and mesquite. I'd, I'd also put hickory with, with some pork cuts too. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but definitely the, the, uh, the, the fruit woods are great with like white pork, you know, like, yes. a, like, a, like a sirloin, you know, pork sirloin. So why are we talking about barbecue? You may wonder. Well, and because why, it's, why am it's, I doing it's, this? It's one of the many bees that's on our list today. That's right. Today we're all about bees, and we decided to talk about barbecue because it's Memorial Day weekend coming up. And uh, here we were. We were talking about people, right? Uh, loved ones who've passed away, and so Memorial Day is the type where we time of day where we remember and honor our loved ones who've passed away. I know there's a heavy emphasis, of course, on um, uh, veterans who passed away. And I do think that was the initial aim. But I think, isn't there really the goal, really honor all, all of our loved ones who've well, passed away? You know, I, 
if I'm not mistaken, and I could be completely mistaken, uh, but Memorial Day was was it was it did it did it not originate after the Civil War? Yeah, probably did. And it was specifically mourning the loss of the people who died during that war. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, you're. We'd be interesting to know the history. Why not? Yeah. I, maybe one of our listeners can look this up for us and let us know when they hear it. And then the other one was is Veterans Day. Veterans Day was not a glorification of the military. It was a signing right. of the peace treaty after World That's War One. Right. The war to end all wars. I'm so glad we've had no wars since then. Oh. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like people keep on fighting, hoping they can get it right. And for some reason, that doesn't seem to be the effective tool to bring about world peace. I, I, I don't knew? get it. Yeah, but I, maybe the next one. May, yeah, maybe just do one more. Or just one more. That's yeah. all we need. So, one more. So one of the things that I think um, what I notice, at least in my faith tradition, yes, is we Anabaptists don't have a, for the most part, do not have a personal connection to those folks who served in some branch of the military. Mm. Just because you know the pacifist tradition, people who we right. think of people who done public service, you know, they right. might they might have been like a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, uh, yep. they might have been you know, forest service worker, you know, who knows? Um, you know, but a lot of missionaries, uh, a lot of you know, relief development workers, you know, that's yep. kind of that's part of that mindset of what it means to be a you know, a person who serves others. That's right. And so we kind of miss out on, on a piece of that, which, you know, I, I guess that's okay, but it's just something yeah. I think we're not completely aware of that we're out of step with so many others, you know, in our communities. Right. But similarly, uh, you know, we're not a big, we, we're, we're not really big into, or have not, I should say, been really big into, um, Roman Catholic traditions and holidays. And ah. so we skip Memorial Day. Okay. But then we also skip All Saints Day. Oh, I love All Saints Day. I mean, it really, it's like, wait, if you're not doing one, you got to do the other. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, my word. I, I Get on it, Craig. Oh, well, we, we do. We've been working on it. Okay. And so, so we might not liturgically and that's the other thing Anabaptists have never really been big on liturgical calendar until like the last trip 10 to 15 years and so if it's well Mother's Day Father's Day they're not in the liturgical calendar Memorial Day not not there Labor Day not there but All Saints is and so mm. we've kind of picked up All Saints All Souls by some of you know for that reason so I think we're getting there but that always leaves me with an ambivalence towards Memorial Day because it's it's not part of my recognized right. practice and then having you just say that is a really good wake-up call that you know i don't really need to continue li living in an alternative universe exactly <laughs> yeah you know, there's a <laughs> lot of people who don't see it that way and i need to be aware of that that's right live in this world buddy you don't have to necessarily participate but and even I think even if I were to participate in an honorable and respect, respectable way, I could still do it better than a lot of people who think of this is the great weekend to go buy a, a map that's on sale or maybe a good discount on a car. Amen. You know, that's, 
Yeah. Anyway, yes. It is Good Memorial. Point. That's right. That's right. Uh, that's why we're talking. Uh, that's why I decided to add in barbecue. But uh, we have a couple other B topics we want to talk about. Well, you you had mentioned baseball. Yes. Now and the Blue Jays. Well, okay. So there's a couple of we can do macro level baseball and micro microscope or you know microcosm baseball. Yes. Yes. Because I, I think on the macro level, there's some weird stuff going on. Yeah, there's some very weird stuff going on. And you know, if you want to pick up the Blue Jays, the Blue Jays would be an interesting thing to talk about. As, and if we want to throw in one other B that has a weird thing going on is the, the Knicks in basketball. The Knicks? Yeah. Oh, the teams that are in it right now? Well, that they're actually halfway decent. It is. I know. I mean, there's some, that, there's that, some challenge. There's some I, parody. They they've really come up in the last few decades. Just like just like the, the Padres are a team all of a sudden. Yeah. I'm yeah, that's right. No, but kind of, that, yeah. I, I I wonder from the micro microcosmic level if sports have had some kind of uh, turnabout, especially baseball. Oh yeah. Uh, because baseball right now is, if, if I remember the statistics right, things like base hits are down. Yes. Shutouts, shutouts and no hitters are up. No hitters, big time. And, and home runs are up. Yeah. So all that's happening is power pitchers uh, and power batters. Exactly. And, that's exactly. And, and one of the, the criticisms is that the finesse of the game is gone. Yeah, it is. And so you know, right now, you basically you got about all stacking. Yeah. I mean, what do you do when you stack guys up on base? Do you, like, knock them in one at a time with base hits? Or do you just crush it and get a, you know, grand slam? Exactly. And, <sighs> and if you go for the grand slam, you're most likely going to go for a strikeout. <laughs> you're going you're, you're to have lots of strikeouts, just uh, percentage-wise. And yes, so this year, what is there? There's already like, is it six already? Six uh, no hitters. hitters. Yeah. In like a month and a half or something like that. It, yeah, I mean the, the season is not that old. I mean it just started six weeks ago. No, it's not that long ago. Yep. So, oh, yeah. so one of the one of the uh, things one of the. Uh, podcasts I listen to is uh, Baseball Tonight, ESPN's Baseball Tonight. Ooh. And one of the points that uh, one of their, one of their uh, commentators is making, it wasn't Buster Olney, it's the other guy whose name I can't remember, <laughs> who's not quite as famous, uh, but he's a sports writer. And yeah. he, that what's happened in baseball is it's gone the way of, of uh, NFL. everything's about power lifting and during the training season the training periods it's not about uh it's not about you know well hypertrophic workouts you know where you take a low weight you work until max uh muscle failure instead it's max workouts and you just do max loads until you bulk up and you get huge and and his his idea is that's where baseball is gone 
because okay. That's fans want to see the home run. Yeah, they do. We fans love the dinger. See the big boom. We love the dinger. Fans don't want to see. Yeah, we. I mean, and, and we. But what I love in baseball is watching the strategy of you know a pull, you know pulling 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 your your bat so you get the ball to go left field, right field. You're yeah. going to actually want to get it just beyond, you know, the shortstop so you can advance the runner from first and you want to load the bases because the next guy coming up is the one who's going to clean up. You know, it's right. those strategies are gone in favor of just, you know, bull moosting the ball. And then exactly. they were talking about uh, uh, Tony La Russa, uh, calling from the dugout to take a pitch on a 3-0 count this last weekend. Oof. Okay, so you got three balls, zero strikes. What are you going to do? What, what are you going to do? I mean, <laughs> I, I would take it. I would just let it zip on past because you, you got a base, right? Exactly. Yep, so, free base. So uh, what the conversation was is nobody was listening. They ignored the take sign at the, at the plate. The That's batter right. ignored it and swung. Crank the homer. And and so you get rewarded for the big hit, yep. but not for the disciplined strategic play. And now you've even taken the manager out of the game. That's right. And so, so it's almost like there's a huge uh, shift at the macro level of what's going on in baseball. Oh, yeah. And, and what if it just becomes like, uh, you know, it just, it just becomes uh, a home run derby. Is that is that is that what? That's basically it, man. Yeah. Yeah. So and 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 I I don't like that. Yeah. There's oh, there's finesse and strategy, and it makes it kind of fun. I get the home run. I get the appeal to a home run. Yeah, but but I think I think the uh, here I am going to be critical of people. I think the lazy (laughs) sports fan who doesn't understand the intricacies of strategy and finesse. Yep. Is just going to go, oh, home run, yay, rather than, whoa, did you see the way that ball rolled down to third base? What a bunt. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and really, very few batters want to be the one to get the bunt sign, but, you know. <laughs> right. So boring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually, yeah, it's a lot of fun uh, when you have you know, when you watch, there's, it's a buildup of tension and okay, we got a runner on. Okay. And then, yeah. yeah, I think also on that Tony La Russa thing. So a lot of people were talking about respect and it came down to like respect of the pitcher, right? But Which, okay. Sure. That's a fine conversation too. But I think it's also a, um, there's respect for like what the manager is attempting to do. Like, yeah, like okay, if you swing and you miss, big no big deal, right? Okay, but if you get this free base, you're building up. You know, you're helping him build his plan, his strategy, or whatever. So yeah, exactly. I get yeah, it. And, it's a teamwork and, thing. And and I think managers, um, one, I don't know that they always communicate what their intentions are to the dugout. Mm-hmm. You know, football. How you know, how many times in a game is there a huddle around the coaches? You know, right. like when the O line comes in, they're sitting down on a bench, and there's the O line coach with the board drawn, you know, X's and O's. Right. 
Um, you know, same thing with all the other, you know, position players in football. That happens all the time. I don't, I really don't know if that happens in a dugout. So you say, this is what we're working on. This is the strategy. This is the game plan. Yep. 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 Uh, so, yeah, exactly. I think your, your analysis is hundred percent correct. It's all about swing for the fence. So you either get big home runs and big scores. Uh, and, I think, and uh, big shoulders and big chests. You know, right. Muscle-bound people who can't steal bases because they're too big. <laughs> exactly. So that brings me to why I am digging the Blue Jays so much this year. Yeah. They do have they have a power hitter, but but um, he's his name. So it's Vladimir. Here's a why I like the Blue Jays anyway to begin with. They're just my favorite team, but B. They have three legacy players, legacy legends, sons of legends on their right. team. I love that. And they are, all three of them, I think, are all about wanting to, like, not just be, you know, for the fence. They're hitters. They're legitimate, like, in fact, so the big break- breakthrough this year for the biggest of the, the three, his name is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yep. He is, of course, a power hitter, and he's a big guy. But this year, he's added to, he's gone thing to, uh, his batting average is way up. He is, in fact, I, he might be leading the majors, maybe with the batting, or close to it. He's right there. And he's hitting all over the field, not just yeah. Yeah. pulling. He's going opposite field. So it's pretty awesome. I'm loving it. Loving it. So... One of the things is, uh, I wonder if those who are legacy players, yeah, if there is an awareness that's different. You know, they they yeah. they they're they're raised on the history of baseball. There you go. You know, it's at least their family history. It may go back beyond that. It's a, 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 an appreciation exactly. for tradition in the past. Some history, you know, some I, roots. I am as iconoclastic as just about any other. You know, first, well, no, I'm more iconoclastic than most people. That's what I should say. But, oh, yeah. but when it comes to baseball, I think there's certain traditions that are worth, like, holding on to. Yeah. So that, so that baseball doesn't just fall into that, you know, American bigger is better kind of a thing. Exactly. Amen, brother. I'm now, with you. Now, that, that, that makes me wonder what uh, other what baseball looks like in other places because a, a lot of the players are coming to the major leagues. Of course, you know, everybody's familiar with the Caribbean, you know, Central America, uh, yep. Latin American players. I mean, that's, that's, that's not, that's not new, but what's been new over the last 20 years is also players coming in from Australia yep. and uh, Holland and Norway. You get the Dutch players, you know, I wonder what I wonder, and, and of course, yeah. uh, Japan. Japan. Oh yeah, Japan. And, and Korea. I mean, you've, so you've got. I wonder what the national character of those different locations is when it comes to these macro level perspectives on baseball. Well, that'd be pretty interesting, actually. Probably right now, one of the most exciting players in the league is a, a fellow by the name of Shohei. You know about him? Shohei, he's a pitcher and a hitter. Oh, that is good. Yeah, so he he they he's he plays for the Angels, which is a team that can use a designated hitter. 
But when right. he pitches, they don't use a designated hitter. They actually let him pitch and even or uh, pitch and hit. And even when he's done uh, pitching, they put him in the outfield so they can keep him <laughs> going. And I'm bringing that up because here's a guy. I mean, that's old school, man. Yeah. Well, that's, 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 old school, that's old school baseball. He does it there, all. There's a part of me that does not like a designated hitter. Right. For a variety of reasons. Oh, yeah. But, but yeah, the, that means that your power, usually your designated hitter is your big power hitter. Yeah. Not your, you know, your capable uh, defender. Exactly. And, and to be able to have somebody who is capable of defense. Yep. As well as pitching. Yep. You know. Um, yeah, that's, that is really kind of cool. And what's really cool is he's not, it's not just like a novelty thing, right? Like they legitimately are doing it because he's so good at it. And in fact, he had, I I don't think this is the case anymore, but like two weeks ago, he was leading the majors in home runs (laughs) as a pitcher. He had 10 and, um, his batting average was almost 300. Wow. And, and he was the, um, for pitchers, he was leading in, um, uh, not ERA, but, uh, least amount of hits per inning or something like that, given okay. up something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some, not like a major, one of your leading stat categories, but you know, right. it's like, uh, I think, uh, it, no, it might've been, it might've been. It wasn't ERA, but it was, oh, it was walks or hits per innings pitch. That's what it was. So he was. Oh, his, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. His <clears throat> ERA is pretty low, too. I mean, it's a sub three right now. So, I mean, you know, it's, he's good. <laughs> he's wow. exciting. Yeah. So we'll have to talk more about baseball as the season goes on. See how go. uh, Blue Jays do. Yeah. Uh, sticking, sticking with the letter B. Yes. Boston. Um, Oh, well, oh, next topic of discussion. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it a whole lot, but just in case anybody out there is a track and field fan, go to look up Boston Street yes. Race. Yes. Because they, they get out the, uh, the track and they put it uh, on a street in Boston. And then they have, you know, top level professional of Olympic level athletes having their races and just, you know watch i watched a video of grant holloway and aries Merritt, two best right now you know, going yeah. down a street in boston boston what street a, meet what an awesome way to have a track meet uh, that is cool <laughs> so look that one up it's boston that's another b word but the other one i was thinking was books books so, okay love it yeah because you've got you've got a book club i have a book club I may be and, the only one actually doing the reading, but well, but. okay. But <laughs> which, which got me thinking. I thought, well, you know, you do a book every month. That's at least yep. six, five or six books at this point. That's right. And then I thought, well, I wonder what else you're reading. Which then got me thinking, what have I read this year? Yeah. And I don't keep okay. a book. I don't keep a book journal. I I, I always think it's a great idea to take a, a great idea. You know, read, read a book write a couple of lines about it, go, oh yeah, yep. I just read that. 
yeah, this is what I thought. Exactly. But I haven't been doing that. So I went back over my book, my books and it's like, huh, I didn't know I read that many books. Uh, mm. so, okay. so tell me, what have you read okay. so far in 2021? Okay. So in the book club, the uh, books that I've read for it are uh, Nickel Boys, the, which is uh, by Colin uh, Whitehead. And it is a really good, really good book. That's probably so far. I read it in January for our book a month book club. And uh, I'm going to say so far, it's probably my favorite fiction it's, book I've read. Okay. I was going to ask you if it were a novel or what, what type of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, so it's um, the Colson Whitehead. Sorry. I think I said Colin Whitehead. Colson Whitehead. But the uh, gist of the book is it's based on a true. Um, um, school in Florida that was like a prepar- not a preparatory what do they call that um, you know where you essentially you send the kids to that you don't you know they're troubled and they're reform you know. school yeah yes reform school there you go and the interesting thing about the school and the time that it was happening of course everything was segregated so this campus had uh, a cast you know, built on its campus of these boys all in need of being sent, quote unquote, in need of being sent to reform school. But it was divided by, you know, race. So you got uh, one part of the campus and then the more uh, well-resourced part of the campus for white boys and then the rest uh, of the campus and, the, and get all the hand me, you know, everything that's way outdated and has been passed through all the reform school system type of school <clears throat> is for people of, was for the boys of color, minorities. And it follows uh, essentially two, a, a boy who got sent there. And so that part, the, the reform school stuff is true, but the actual following of the boy that he's a made up character and it's a, you know, a story, but what prompted the uh, Colson to write the story was that they found at these reform schools in Florida in particular, and I'm sure it's happened all over the, the country back then, but they found graves, mass, right. almost like mass graves and cemeteries. Right. of. That's what I was curious thing. about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember yeah. hearing about those in the news in the last several years. That's right. Yep. And so that prompted him to craft a story, you know, around a boy who, got sent there and his experience and and yeah so it's really good <clears throat> that's probably my favorite uh, book I've read so far this year as far as fiction let's see what else did I read in that book club I'm gonna I have to go look now because I've got on my mind right now are all the um my academic texts that I just got done well because well oh. yeah what so what are you reading for your academic program Okay, so for my academic program, they're all, of course, philosophy and theology books, um, because it's uh, my degree is a doctoral uh, emphasis on open and relational theology. And in particular, the last couple courses, Tom has had me, Dr. Ord has had me really focus on some process theology texts. So, 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 so when, when we talk with Tom, mm-hmm photographs about our podcast is Tom. So when you talk yes. about it, when it's your academic studies and the books you're reading, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Ord. Gotcha. Exactly. Right. <laughs> I got to compartmentalize here a little bit. 
So, um, <clears throat> in there, oh, I've had some really interesting stuff because the focus that I'm going for is somehow like a synthesis of process theology, and, you know, open and relational theology and liberation theology with the idea of how do we create a more reconciled, just uh, uh, future, you know, based right. off of what's come, come before. So there we go. So that's kind of that's where I'm going. So he's had me read um, probably out of those texts, my favorites so far to read just for enjoyable reading have been books by a woman named Catherine Keller. And she is, oh man, she's good. She, uh, she is of course a top rate philosopher and theologian, which is important. But she does, she tries to achieve what she calls, and you've maybe, Craig, you've heard this, I'm sure the phrase before, but it's called theopoetics. Right. And that's kind of like, so when she writes, it's just, it's lively, it's beautiful, it's <clears throat> descriptive, it's metaphor, you know, use metaphor. And, and so you can really visually, you know, in your mind, it's not just dead philosophy boring stuff which can happen you know with philosophy oh my goodness yeah <laughs> but she, oh it just yeah it gets you excited you're like wow yes oh this yeah. i could do this yeah so Catherine keller and she has a new one out i haven't read it yet but it's he has assigned it yesterday as a text for my next course and it's called uh oh boy i gotta look it up apocalypse um Something about apocalypse. Anyway, yes. So what, Keller. what is her philosophical theological perspective? Would you call her a, a liberationist or? So she is, she, I think would put herself in the process camp, but she speaks right. like she really is informed by a lot of, you know, yes, liberation, uh, womanist and feminist. Uh, theology stuff like that so yep right because I because I had thought about I had I was familiar with her name from liberation theology context yeah uh, what, is, what does liberation theology look like when you're talking to North Americans exactly uh, yes yep Western, that would be her yep. yeah yeah yep yep that would be her yeah good. she's really good I'm very uh she's exciting but also I read a book, this last course by a fella, it's a very short book actually, but <clears throat> his name's Theodore Walker Jr. And the book is called Mothership Connections. And his, uh, the whole goal of it is to, was um, why, um, if we're gonna be doing theology here in America, the importance of bearing in mind uh, the, the trade, the slave, um, uh, the uh, slave trade, and what it did to human bodies, and what, how it commodified people. And so, if we want to talk about doing anything in the American context, we have to be bear in mind the essentially, uh, I guess, the tragedy of that. But but just how we had this turn towards turning people into commodity, basically. Wow, so. yeah, it, and that's been even before we were coalesced even as a North American culture. Ex exactly, 
Yep. Wow. Yep, yep, yep. And how that still has implications today for how we do, I mean, uh, how we do anything in our economy and everything, you know, how, how has that had an impact on how we think about customers, people, uh, so let me, uh, let me tag people who work book. for us. So let yeah. me tag in a book that I just finished a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. That uh, I think speaks to that uh, by Michael Sendell, who's a, a professor of ethics at Harvard. Ooh. And he wrote a book called the tyranny of merit. Or, oh and, yes. And, and meritocracy by itself sounds okay. I mean, sure. You, you get what you have earned. Your accomplishments are what kind of stratis, stratify you as, you know, you've accomplished a lot, you earn a lot, you receive a lot, or you, you, you don't use the resources given you. And so you don't get ahead. And that's like, it seems like a very kind of black and white, you know, sure. simple system. Yeah. Ra- rather, rather than, you know, resting on, you know, you've got the right fan or you happen to be right. a person of the correct color or it's right. so meritocracy yeah. sounds good but the tyrannical aspect of it that he points out is the definition of what makes something a valuable achievement exactly who defines the value who's and defining value be, and values can be def- uh, can be defined in such a way that they simply reinforce or support a status quo. Exactly. So, you know, um, some, I, though he doesn't use this example, I think, you know, you could look at somebody like Martin Luther King and say, he did not accomplish anything. He does not deserve any, 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 um, he does not deserve any merit. Uh, all he was was an iconoclast who broke things down and, and you know, tried to dismantle American society. <laughs> Uh, if 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 you were somebody who was, you know, a white supremacist, you would say he did not achieve anything. That's right. So, so what did he do? In I, fact, he set us backwards. Exactly. Well, and that's Obama got that criticism yep. over and over again. Oh and yeah. So I think I think it goes back to that idea. Like, what if the objectification and the commodification of the other has been such a central part of our culture? Yep. Well, that changes what we think is valuable and what is achievement and, and it screws up the whole meritocracy. Oof. That's right, buddy. That's good. Oh, that's good. Good connection, man. Love it. Excellent. Um, okay. So another book that I'm reading this month is, and I do got to finish it, but so I'll tell you more. I don't want to <laughs> give too much away, but it's called uh, the, hang on here. I took a picture. So I'd remember the name. Where'd I put it? It's the library of, what is it called? Oh, where'd it go? The Midnight Library. There we go, by Matt Haig. And it's an interesting premise about like memory and uh, almost like, um, you know, time, how time works. So anyway, it's like the, the library C is like, um, it's a library that contains an uh, endless number of books. Each one is like 
a story of a, you know, a person's story. And so in this, the, the premises, this person's at the library and can essentially, well, what if I had picked, you know, this story? What if this was my story? You know, that kind of thing. So it's an overlapping of life, memoir, time, memory. Yeah. It, it's it makes me think of, uh, what was the Disney movie about the five, you know, the, the, the four five emotions, yeah. you know, living together and working together to save their Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 inside out. Inside out. Yes. yes. So remember the storage of all those little balls. Yes, exactly. Yep. That, 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 it's that a lot memories. like that. Yeah. 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 And um, it also kind of reminds me of uh, the movie. Oh, <sighs> it's got Matthew McConaughey. Uh, and it's a, um, it's a, about the time, you know, he goes, have you seen it? He goes back in time, or let's see, he goes out into space and oh, he, yes. yeah. yeah, what is that called? That's a, yeah, uh, is uh, it Interstellar? Interstellar. Interstellar, yeah. Yeah, okay, it's like that. So it well, kind of reminds me of, you know, being able to see the story from a different vantage point yeah. and how it's unfolding and yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, so that's a good one. The other one that, that, that sounds like that would uh, another movie would be uh, Spotless Mind, uh, Jim Carrey. Yeah, there you go. Um, Perfect. Where that the library is wiped out. Yeah. But but it's slowly getting put back together. That's right. Exactly. Good good connection. All right. Uh, and okay, so probably the best nonfiction book I've read so far this year, uh, uh, just for a variety of reasons. Uh, is cast by Isabel Wilkerson. We read that as a oh, right. as an anti-racist uh, book study in our church. And man, a she's a top-notch writer. Um, B the information, dude, just like so many things that I've learned from that book. Like for example, did you know, Craig? I'm sure maybe you've heard this by now, but I, in this book was really the first time I encountered this that the Nazi Germany, when they were like, how do we establish this um, hierarchy of people? How do we establish and promote this division? Did you know that they studied America, Jim Crow, as, yes. as their yeah. influence for how they could rapidly set up this division? Yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah, that crazy? You know, I think one of the things the United States uh, has always wanted to, uh, you know, feel proud about is the way we lead the world. Oh, jeez. <laughs> but that's yeah. not the way I think we really want to lead anyone. Yeah, yeah. You know, and during that period of time, because that was in the, that was in, that was in the, you know, 1920s. Yeah and early 30s and yep. especially the 20s and that's when the eugenics uh, yep. uh movement was going through the united states and i remember reading an article 30 years ago that they used to have at the county fairs state fairs they would have these eugenic uh, uh kind of um, what do you call it competitions where you know oh, you man. bring out you bring out the best pig 
you know, yeah, the, you know, gets the blue ribbon, you bring out the best horse, you know, it wins, you got the, you got the best carrot, you know, so you have all these things going on in state fairs, which are not at all, you know, surprising. But they also oh, included, you know, here's the best young man in the county. Oh, my gosh. Here is the best woman. And in some of these uh, county fairs, I guess, then they marry them off. Oh, wow. Now, what I don't know, but I'm guessing, when were when did, like, the Miss America, Miss USA, when did those pageants oh. Did they have a historical connection to that, that kind of, you know, this is the best specimen? Oh my gosh, you're probably right. But, but in in this article, it was stating that you know that the eugenics theories were you know, being played out at the local fairs, and with the intention that they would then go on and reproduce you know these incredible offspring. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's just that's astounding. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, I, I it was just one article I read a long time ago, and. I don't know. Maybe it'd be a back down. Wow. Wow. Okay. Just to let you know, I'm going over uh, what's it called? Nitro Pass. Okay. Yeah, you are kind of breaking up a bit. Yeah, hopefully I won't lose a signal here. (laughs) It's the point between uh, Salt Lake. Yeah. Are you still? So, I, I can, okay. That, oh, oh, oh. You're breaking up uh, big time. What's going on with your barbecue? Okay. So right now, I can hear you say that. I will talk about barbecue. Um, <laughs> so I'm getting my fire lit it's going it's set it's uh i've my i can you see me on video i'm not going to turn it on it's too i'm, okay. I'm driving <laughs> okay good <laughs> yeah don't i'm do watching it. the road i'm watching the road okay so why on this type of smoker that i have like i said the charcoal is set off to the side so in a sense it's like an offset smoker and it's a vertical hopper though, set off over to the side. I have the top part of the hopper open and the bottom part, which where that is where the ash bin is. Those are both open while I light my fire. And of course them being open, add some oxygen to it. So it's helping it get going. So that's what's going on right now. And once it starts kind of smoking a bit and it already is, I'm gonna shut those. And then I'm going to engage the fan to help bring it up to my smoking temperature, which is, I'm going to aim for about in the 220, 230 range for smoking. And then I'll put my meat on and I will set it and I will forget it. (laughs) Other Other than I will keep an eye on my temperature probes and also... So I have three probes going, two for in the meat, one to monitor the temperature of the um, actual where the meat is being cooked. Because, you know, it's a chamber, and so the temperature is going to range all over the place in the, in the chamber. But I want the uh, where the meat is to be right around that 
220. So I'll be able to adjust so, accordingly if I need to. So when that fan blows. Yes. How, how does it keep any ash flying around so you don't get ash yeah. on your, your roast? Yes. So the vertical chamber set off to the side does have a uh, in, have a, an opening that that's where the heat and the smoke move into the chamber. That is, um, it has a kind of like a screen that helps with ember and ash from getting in, but some, you know, I mean, it'd have to be the most minuscule holes for ash not to get in. So inside the chamber, there's also a manifold with a manifold cover, you know, that redirects. Ah, right. Yeah. So, yep. So there's okay. some lay, but it's still, there's, yeah, there's still going to be a little bit of smoke or I mean, ash that gets up in there. Um, and actually, so I'm a part of a group on Facebook that uh, are folks who have this particular thing and they're constantly trying to come up with, all right, how can we get even better at filtering out, right. you know, these things we don't want. So they're coming up all the time with little hacks and tricks and mods to, to do it. So I follow it to see if there's any good ones that I can, you know, use to. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So, so do I, am I coming in okay? Coming in clear? Yes, you are. You're doing okay. good. Well, because I, I just passed Sweets or Summit, so uh, there were a bunch of towers, so hopefully one of them was, was a cell tower. <laughs> it is incredibly gorgeous out here. Nice, huh? What a drive. Uh, it's you know beautiful green uh, sage high desert with uh, rolling hills, mountains with snow. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. I love it. What a day for a drive. Yeah. Very cool. So, very so, cool. Uh, are you, with your, with your uh, reading, are you reading anything just trashy for fun? <laughs> yes, I'm reading a book called Into the Woods, or Into the Wood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, who's that by? Um, uh, Tana French. Yeah, I think Carla read that one not too long ago. Okay, it's not like, I, you know, it's not like trashy, trash. you know, it's... Yeah, it's a, I know. I, I think you and I have a completely different definition of what like a <laughs> completely recreational novel might be, you know. <laughs> right. So. Yes. Do you have, what are you reading? That's just whatever. Not, not anything right now, but uh, a two book series that I read early in the year where uh, there's a, a lawyer, oh, what's his name? Uh, Reese Hirsch. Okay. And he's a, he's a security cyber law lawyer guy. Okay, and so in real, in real life. In real life, yeah. Okay. Uh, but, his, but he writes novels, and it makes me think of, uh, who's, who's the other lawyer writer? Uh, uh, John Grisham. Yeah, Grisham it makes me kind of think of Grisham, but it's, it's especially in style. But okay, he has his Linda Ch Tanchik novels, which is a woman who works for the, I think, the Department of Justice, FBI, investigating you know, cyber crimes. Mm -hmm. And then there's Chris Gruen, 
another series of novels. And so far, there's, I think, three books in each of those series. And uh, Chris Bruin is an independent cyber investigator. Uh, And so, yeah, those are are kind of that uh, recreational book because they're it's like, gosh, what's going to happen next? Turn the page. Oh, my goodness. What happened? <laughs> so, Heck yeah. Yep. So this one but, in into the wood is, uh, you know, it's a murder mystery type of thing. Right. Yep. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of fun. It does. Here's one thing. Here's why I probably should have selected better for a fun no think because this is like hardcore character development so psychology of the character is like yeah so it's still good i like it i enjoy it but there's just heavy parts of very in-depth into the main character uh psychology and so that means long pages of introspective you know introspective exposition Mm -hmm. exactly Uh, one one novelist that I I'd liked his second book and I can't remember what it's called right now, but his thir- first book was just phenomenal. It was uh, Andrew Weir, uh, The Martian. Okay. Yes. And, oh yeah. And I liked that book so much, and I'm glad I read it before the movie. The movie didn't go uh, contrary to the book. It just had all that background depth. Exactly. So the, and and the book was really really good. Uh, which I really like because that was his first novel. Oh, that's, that's so cool. And that was insane. But uh, he had another one about uh, colonizing uh, the moon. And he has another one that is on my list of books to read. And it is, gosh, what is it? Uh, yeah, he has a, it's a kind of newer, isn't it? Like yeah, it's a new, it's a, yeah, it came out, I think, just this year, perhaps. Okay. But, but um, another novel that I, I didn't really read, I, I used it as an audio book mm-hmm. because it was an audio book that said it took 40 hours. And that's a good Oh, yes. Book. Yes, it but, is. <laughs> but I, I'll put quotes around the word read. I, I, I read. I, I read the book The Stand by Stephen King. Oh heck yeah! That that is a massive book. It is. Um, and then then he he um, what do you what do you call he he disabridged? I don't know. He he rewrote. He added eight hundred pages to it in the latest. Oh my edition. gosh! So so Holy it's not really God. an abridged version, and it's not unabridged because <laughs> there's more. It's rebridged. I don't know what it is. But reconstructed, I yeah, I, he he added you know 25 30 percent more material. Oh, that's interesting. But it you know, it really is a fascinating uh story. So, when of, you when you heard it, was it with the new material? Yes, yes, okay. And I think that's why it took 40 hours, you know. Oh, my goodness! But so, but on, I on, on Audible, what I usually do is I, I speed it up, you know, like one, sure. one, and, oh, a half one and a half. <laughs> yeah, so I only, it, only, it only took me 30 hours to get through it, but it was a, fa- a really fascinating, see, I, it was nothing, nothing horror, you know, nothing supernatural, well, a little supernatural, 
But the main thing was, you know, what happens when human community is completely wiped out in a short period of time? Oof. How do how do people reform that basic and very instinctive need to have that other? Yes. And to to then have a project together of survival, and then what what comes next after you survive? You know, and then how do you journey together, and how do you rebuild? And oh, and in that rebuilding process, immediately emerges these transcendent elements of good and evil that are oh. are you know they, it it basically says that battle is persistent in human. That's right. Human and oh, that's interesting. Fascinating. It was really it was really a good good uh long journey oh that's interesting that does sound good um gosh yeah so speaking of audible books i also have one i have uh i always have one in my audible you know ready to go for working out or stuff like that the one i just finished for that was um well not just finished i guess it was a month ago um was finally Finally, um, the uh, oh, the Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So now you got to now you got to read the sequel. Yeah. What's it called? Um, yeah, oh, I can't remember. It's the name of the area it starts with the G, right? Like um. Uh, uh, yeah, it's anyway. that Bible name. Yeah, Gideon. No, Gillian. No. no, Goshen. Gil Gilead. Gilead, uh, there we go. Yeah. No, is it? I don't know. I don't. Maybe that's not the title. <laughs> anyway, Gideon. Yeah, so, I don't know. So when that that book came out, I was able to get a uh, the because it was released and sold out in one day. I I was able to pre-order it, get it just in time for Carlos' birthday. I think it was. Ooh. And because she really liked that. Yeah. And then and then I was just so eager. I went ahead and downloaded a. A copy on Kindle, and I read it in a weekend. Oh, interesting! And and I'd say, "Oh, Carly, did you get to this part?" Just, no, 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 don't tell me. Don't. Okay, 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 I thought maybe you got to that part. Did you get you to this ahead part? Of her. Like, yeah, I got way ahead of her. <laughs> Can I tell you? Um, so this happens not with Lisa and I, but on Netflix shows, and. Uh, because the time it just so the the worst example was a couple of years ago we wanted to do x files together right and i couldn't start yet there was i can't remember what was going on but um she was like okay well i'm just gonna watch a few and then you can catch up and then wouldn't you know it before the whole she was done with the whole series and i hadn't even started yet yeah <laughs> yeah and and when that happens I have like, I lost all motivation. Like, I'm fine. I'm just not going <laughs> to well, watch I, it. I, and I think I, that that's a, that's like a real thing. If you look mm -hmm. it up on Google, it's a whole marital partner couple uh, issue. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, it's, 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 I mean, first you have, you know, the worst thing would be like adultery. <laughs> but, but this is a type of adultery right it's like wait you're you're having this experience of watching this show with someone else well no it's just yeah. by myself. well that's even worse you know it's like <laughs> no. but it's, it's like it's meant to be a shared commitment 
Yeah. So, so Carla and I are through, we're halfway through the fifth season of How to Get Away with Murder. Ooh, interesting. And, and you know, now I'm going to be gone for a few weeks. It's like, okay, we got to, we got to like do, you know, screen share on, on Zoom so we can watch this together. Oh, wow. Because. Oh, that'd be cool. Are you going to actually do it? Oh, yeah, we've got to. Because, I mean, we, we probably get to watch TV together two or three nights a week, maybe, tops, you know. And all we've been watching when we've had that time together is like, okay, let's watch, let's take off a chunk. And then when you get close to the season, you know, uh, conclusion, you know, everything's leading up. It's, it's, you know, things are coming together and you, oh, gotta watch one more. It's getting late. Oh, God, we, we can do it. You know. <laughs> we can do it. And so now we're, we're getting toward that, that post, you know, that, that end of, end of the uh, end of season push for season five. It's like, oh my goodness, gotta keep going. And it has such a wonderful nonlinear uh, storytelling method. Yep. Where it begins with these uh, foreshadowing events of the last episode. Ooh. And you go, what was that? It has no context. You think something really bad is going to happen to somebody, but I have no idea who. <laughs> and, and then it goes back and it tells the story. Six months earlier than the next episode, begins with that little uh, foreshadowing event or another glimpse of it or something related to it. And it goes back three months, then it goes back two weeks, or it goes to the event and then the little clicker on, or the little digital readout of the, the date on the on the the show shows, you know, 9.30, then it goes back, tick, 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 6.27 p.m. It's like, oh, okay, oh, same day. And, and so this nonlinear storytelling is so uh, kind of addicting. Right. Uh, Just to watch it hop like, around. Like, where's it going? Yeah, it's like, it's like, okay, where's it going to go? And so every season <laughs> begins with, the conclusion in mind. Oh, that's interesting. And it's like, how do we get here? Anyway, it's a it's it. a show that I never ever wanted to watch, but once you get into it, it's it's like, okay, I'm I'm suckered in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Hey, I'll tell you one book that I read that I think is a great book to read. Yes. So I so I I, I went looking at the books. I read about a I read about a dozen books so far this year. You're awesome. Yeah, I was trying to do one a week, so yeah, <laughs> I'm not too far off on that. But oh, two books. What one book is really good? I'm not done with it yet, or maybe I've read about thirty books. I can't remember how to count it. Anyway, so I'm I'm ha I'm halfway through read the Bible in a year. Oh, nice. And so you know, I've read all the prophets. I've read the Pentateuch. I mean, right there, that's you know what, seventeen books. That's so, right. But You're anyway, way ahead if you count that. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, there's a, a historian by the name of Simon Winchester. Okay. And I got, I really got hooked on his book, Krakatoa, about the elimination of the island of Krakatoa. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. Your Java, the massive explo explosion, volcanic explosion, and how it affected the entire world. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was like the first worldwide news phenomenon. Uh, That's right. Reuters. He tells a story about how Reuters uh, news had, you know, had recently been established at places in all the capitals and was able to tell this worldwide story. It's one of the first worldwide stories told. Oh, that's awesome. Um, 
but he has a book called Land, and he tells the story of land. And he buys a piece of property in New England, and he began, basically begins a thought experiment. Who was here before me? Oh, this is awesome. And, and what was this land before that? And he goes back, and I didn't even know there was a thing beyond Pangea. Yep, really? But there's another land mass term for pre-Pangea. Oh, wow, that's he, crazy. I know, he goes back there. And, <laughs> and But then he jumps around to different places in the world with, with different ideas about the land, which, which you know, has some radical ideas in Scotland. In Scotland, you can wander on any farmer's land. It's the law. Oh, awesome. But, but you cannot do it on a cultivated field hmm. or a pasture with sheep. <laughs> well, that makes sense. But in Norway, you can walk on anybody's land anywhere, anytime. You're just supposed oh. to be respectful. Sure. And in, and in Norway, uh, the culture says, why no, nobody owns the land that oh. no, you, you can't you can't own the air nobody That's owns right. water why do we think land should be different amen and it's it's such a radical perspective on land but it's radical only to the western what exactly. enlightenment mind and it goes back to the the, the papal bull uh where there was a terra Nullis, yep. You know what it was, and Drew Hart talks about that in his book. Yep. Um, and Terra Nullis is anything that is not occupied by people like or by, by Christians is empty. And and so the the Western world you know, grabs onto that. That's why it was so important for Columbus to say he's doing it for the monarchy as well That's as right. for the church. Uh, you know, the, the, the early colonists, the United States, whether they're Puritans or pilgrims, um, they had to, you know, claim that, you know, it becomes part of manifest destiny. That's right. The man, doctrine yep. of discovery. And, doctrine and, of discovery. Yeah, and it's just that there's, there's nobody there, so we'll grab it. Um, anyway, this book, Land, is just phenomenal because it, it really goes into this concept of land that is really... Uh, unique, you know, with Norway and some of these other countries. But what it got me to thinking about is is the Holy Land. Oh, sure. And bring and it to the news. Do we read the Holy Land stories of God, you know, giving this land of milk and honey to these, you know, uh, uh, redeemed slaves? Do we read that? with an incorrect understanding of what the land gift is. That's right. So it's not so much, they don't possess the land, do they? It's not uh, their holy land. I, I don't know, but, but I, it makes me want to, I want to read that book again and then go back through, um, what is it? Um, was it, I wonder if it's Walter Sawatsky who wrote the Old Testament theology of land for a book. But, but I want to kind of revisit what is that idea of land? 
It's such a huge right. Old Testament concept. It's and, huge. It's the, and it's the essence of the Jubilee, which is right. the whole liberation story of, of Jubilee, which is the liberation story of Eucharist, which is everything. That's right. So, and back, that kind of goes back to where we started this whole conversation about the uh, sensory, you know, so think about yeah, yeah. If we had built into our this, if we kept that going, like imagine the the way we could always tie liberation and all that. If we truly knew what it was like to be set free from things like, you know, debts and yeah, if, yeah. If we um, all had this built into our memory that hey, yeah, sure, this guy's farming this land, but it's you know, it's, uh, it's to help the community flourish, you know, basically, it's a cultivation, cultivating land to cultivate community, basically. And I think at one point, uh, uh, Winchester makes the point that the Hebrews, you know, he said, you know, scholars will claim that the Hebrews never actually practiced the Jubilee, you know, and return right. the land to, you know, owners at that 50 year period. But he makes the point, that's beside the point. That's right. The, the intention is that nobody owns the land. That's right. And I think he uses the word tenure. Ooh, you know, people yeah. have, have, have tenure on the land. And it got okay. me thinking about you know, somebody who has a tenured position at a university, a, a professor. Right. You know, not every case, but several, you know, you have the... the John Doe chair of theological studies. Well, that chair right. was bought by John Doe. You know, that right. chair was endowed for perpetuity by some fund that John Doe contributed or something like that, or in memory yep. of, or whatever it is. Yep. Whoever sits in that chair does not own that chair. They don't That's own right. that position. They just have tenure there. That's in right. that position. And, I love it. And so whose land is it anyway? Anyway, so some good stuff out there. So back oh, to Memorial awesome. Day. You know, Memorial yes. Day is a huge time for booksellers who say... Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of emphasis on new releases right around Memorial oh, Day. Oh, sure. Yep, yep, because yep, sure. Like, all oh, summer. Summer, yeah, summer reads. reads. Exactly. Yeah. And, yep. you know, so we just gave our summer reading uh, suggestions. Yes. Midnight Library, Nickel Boys... And uh, what was the other one I said that was fiction? Oh, in, Into the Wood. Or Cast by Isabel Wilkerson. Um, uh, Catherine Keller's newest book, which is, oh, I should have looked this up and it just got released like three weeks ago. Uh, book is called Catherine Keller Books. It is called Oh, where'd it go? Darn it. This person does not have an updated list. Why are you doing this? Well, Let's blame it we on can, them. It's not my fault. We can, we can find it and stick it in a show note. Uh, works. <laughs> it is. Well, even her Wikipedia page doesn't have it. 
Maybe oh, she doesn't have a new book. No, she does. I swear. Here, Amazon will have it. You know why? Because Amazon cares about money. And so they want the newest and the latest. That's right. Don't want and to revel in her so, past work. So now I don't want to say anything bad about Amazon. Well, Facing apocalypse. Facing okay, apocalypse. So please remember, look for independent booksellers. Go to local independent bookstores. <laughs> even make special orders at your local independent bookstore if it doesn't have these titles. You know, support yes. local bookstores. If you have to, go to the publisher and order it from the publisher's page. Um, Amazon will always have those. Uh, and you know, Amazon's great for a lot of the a lot of the folks I know who are writers. That's good good for them. But right. local, local bookstores. Hook them up. Hook them up. In fact, Craig, if we do some links and stuff, maybe we uh, link to there's an independent online version of Amazon that's independent booksellers, isn't there? Where it's like a conglomerate, you know, it's like a cooperative of them and you can order it like you would through Amazon, but it goes through there. That sounds great. Yeah, I just can't remember what's called, but we'll link it. All right, sounds good. So yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll throw the uh, other dozen books or whatever it is that I've been reading on, on a, there on you a go. list. So Krakatoa. What else did you mention today? Krakatoa. Oh, yeah. well, the, the land. Yeah. The stand. The stand is a great stand. summer read. It, it can take your whole oh. summer. That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yep. What else did we list? Oh, gee. Well, I talked about the, the Reese Hirsch um, cyber crime novels. Yeah, there you go. You know, there's. Oh, there's a there's another great book that I read that I have to re had to, for a class that I'm going to be teaching starting next week. But talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Craig, my meat is going. We're cooking along at about it's holding temp in the cook zone at 200, which is where you know I wanted in the two to 225 range for smoking. Sounds and good. Uh, it's going good. It's smelling good. <sighs> the smoke I am just cruising along in the beehive state. You made it to Utah. The smoke is a little, a little more dirty than I want it, but I bet it, I bet it cleans itself up here pretty soon. So what are the things do? You, what what about basting? Every once in a while. Yes. So yeah, you lose a I'm lot really, of heat, but you would be washing yep. off the dust. That's true. Good point. In fact, I probably will do that with uh, since I have the drip pan. I bet I can get some maybe uh, what would you say apple cider vinegar, pour a little in there for some moisture, and then use it to baste on occasion. Uh, yeah. So I think the smoke the smoke will penetrate, so you wouldn't be like washing That's off right. smoky paper. No, it gets in there. Yeah. So, so there we go. We have talked about books. We've talked about um, barbecue. We've talked about baseball. And we just added one more basting. <laughs> <laughs> and we did the Boston street meat. Oh, yeah, the Boston street meat. So we have hit five Bs today. All right. So do you think we want to choose another letter for next week? Maybe it's like Sesame Street. Today's episode Ooh. brought to you by the letter... I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
Gosh, we got to get a guest up on here. So tell you, oh, okay. You, so oh, we'll carrying be, off with you have Beck, Richard Beck we, coming on. For we the have two guests coming up. We got to lock in dates, but we've got Mark Nelson who wrote a book with uh, Alan Hirsch called Reframation, which yeah. I think was, was an amazing uh, book uh, that uh, kind of works at well, putting things in a new frame that I think right now kind oh, of in a post, it wasn't written as a post pandemic pandemic book, but I think it really fits for a post pandemic kind of reflection. Perfect. And then we've got Richard Beck coming up. I just finished I reading uh, Chasing Magic Eels or Hunting Magic Eels. And I've got two more books on my, my reading list to do over the next couple of weeks, which is uh, Strange Regard and Jesus Trains a Murder by both by Richard Beck. I'm gonna get those Jesus down. Trains a Murder? Yep, it's the gospel according to Johnny Cash. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. That's gonna be amazing. So yeah, we'll, we'll have them coming up in, I think, July, I think is what we're looking at. Okay, cool. So. I, uh, I still, okay, I just got to get Dr. Sharon Putt-Putt on, but we'll do that. We'll make that happen too. You got to get Putt-Putt on. Get Putt-Putt on. <laughs> that actually sounds like a family amusement place. It does kind of. Let's go to Putt-Putt. <laughs> Putt-Putt. All right. So tell you what, uh, you can help put some show notes together. I'll jot some show notes together and I'll put up a podcast recording later this week. So anybody who's listening, this is Tuesday and I'm somewhere in Northern Utah. And by Friday, when we post this, I will be uh, simmering in the Arizona sunshine in Tempe. Love it. I love it. Oh. And I, of course, on Tuesday, am in my backyard because I'm keeping with the bees, watching a barbecue go. And uh, on Friday, gosh, what, I don't even know what I'll be doing on Friday, to be honest. It's a long time away. It's so <laughs> far away, man. I'm in the now. I'm really zoned in on the present with this meat. So That's awesome. <laughs> All right. All righty. Talk with you later. It was a good one, buddy. We hit the bees. We hit five bees. We hit them hard. Man, there's no we bouncing. Went... There's no bouncing back from those. No, nope, we're just gonna bound. <laughs> What's another word for forward? <laughs> uh, boy, I have no idea. Boy, we're bounding. <laughs> boy. We are. Bye -bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. <laughs> All right, take care. We'll see you. Bye. How, how can I end this while I'm driving? I, I, <laughs> if I, I don't know. <laughs> that's a good. That I don't know. I'm. Tell you what, I might have to pull over into onto the shoulder here a little bit. We'll just keep recording. I mean, I can hit leave, but it'll still keep going on your end. Yeah. Okay. I. I. I think I found it. Got it? Uh, trying not to. Don't kill distract, yourself. Trying not to be a distracted driver here. <laughs> yeah. Um, be a good boy. In fact, I am taking an exit here. There you go. <laughs> yeah. That's, Hopefully this so, makes it into the so, episode. Oh, it, it'll be there. We don't edit anything. That's our, that's our <laughs> motto. Um, yes. So, okay. I have pulled over. And... <laughs>
There's the word end. That's funny. As soon as I put the brakes on the car and the car stopped, I saw end. I was like, almost wouldn't let me do it too soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining Cody Stauffer and me, Craig Morton, for this podcast. We simply try to record and upload without much editing. What you get is live conversation with all its ignorance and insight, wisdom and foolishness, sometimes more of one than the other, and occasionally profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. Make sure to follow us on Facebook at the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so leave a comment. And look for upcoming Facebook Live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there, as well as follow him on Instagram at At The Speed Of Darkness. 